They're talking about here things to look for in a diabetes-friendly snack. They mention fiber, healthy fats, low sodium, and a little bit of carbohydrates fine, but they say absolutely make sure it has 15 grams or less of overall carbohydrates. Now that's not sugar, that's all carbohydrates combined. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast on social media, please head over to SolvingType2Diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Well, I hope you are having an absolutely fabulous week this week. And I'm very happy that you're here and we can talk again this week. I'm going to ask you a favor. Would you please share this podcast with someone that you know, someone who you think would get some value out of this podcast like you are. I'd appreciate that very much. So my week this week has gone very well. It's been a week at home, no traveling this week, except to go to the doctor's office, and I got my stitches out. So if you remember a couple of episodes ago, I described how I had a lipoma removed from the back of my neck and sort of the left shoulder area. This past week, I got all the stitches out and the doctor's office says everything looks good. I'm good to go now. So I'm happy to have that behind me, literally. And it's moving on from here. So this week, I did get in some really good trail walks out on the Lebanon Valley Rail Trail and I always enjoy that. It was up in the mid-80s. And for central Pennsylvania in April, the mid-80s or low-80s, that's pretty unusual. Typically the highs in April are maybe the low to mid-60s. And it was nice and sunny. We had no rain this whole week. So I was really able to get out there and have some really nice, enjoyable walks. My wonderful wife made some tortilla soup this week, so I've enjoyed that two or three times this week, and that's really yummy. I was concerned maybe that the large amount of corn and beans in that soup along with the chicken, I was thinking maybe the corn and beans would cause me a problem. I did see the blood sugar go up a little bit an hour or so after those meals, but not a tremendous amount, and it did go right back down. So that tortilla soup is a good part of this week's eating. For my numbers this week, I was able to close my rings six out of seven days, which is is right where I'd like to be. Six or seven or five times per week to completely close those rings to me is good. That represents a good week of movement. You might know that I have three rings with my Apple Watch, the Apple Fitness Rings. One is for standing hours, and those are the number of hours that you stand in a day. 
not the full hour, but stand, stand, move for a, a few minutes out of the hour, and I have that set for 12 hours. And then my exercise ring, that's where you get your heart rate up into an exercise zone. I have that set for 30 minutes a day. And then my movement, I have that set at 600 calories, moving enough to burn 600 calories through movement over and above the normal basal rate. So I was able to close those rings six out of seven days. For my glucose readings this week, using my continuous glucose monitor, which we're going to talk in depth about later on, my average glucose for the week was 109. Now that's a little bit higher than it has been in weeks past. It's still well below the pre-diabetes level. The pre-diabetes level starts at about 125. So it was 109 average, 24-7 average. And that equates to a GMI, a glucose management indicator of 5.9. So I can take that. My body fat percentage was at 21.5, so I'm currently 4.5% body fat away from my goal. Working on that each and every week. And my macros for the week, my carbohydrates averaged 83 grams of carbohydrates each day. And it's not that exactly every day, but that was the 7-day average. And then my protein intake for the week averaged 119 grams per day. For my Manjaro update, I am still at the 7.5 milligram dose, and I'm having no issues. Uh, it's definitely stronger about 24 hours after I take that uh, injection, and then it does taper off as far as controlling insulin, controlling hunger, that types of things, sense of fullness. That does taper off because, you know, the half-life for this uh, molecule, this terzepatide, the half-life is five days. And that's why they say to inject it every seven days. The medication in your system, rather than being like a daily pill where it cycles every 24 hours, it cycles once a week. So you definitely can tell, at least I can definitely tell, the ups and downs as that medication ramps up and then over the course of the week as it ramps back down. Now I did stumble upon, discover a, a tip that I shared on my YouTube shorts and my Instagram reels and whatnot, and TikTok and all the places I share short videos. I did share a tip earlier this week on the Manjaro injection, and that is to, for me, what I found really helpful was to let it come up to room temperature for a couple of hours before I do the injection. What I found is that if I take it right out of the fridge, and we keep our refrigerator at 36 degrees Fahrenheit, I guess that's about 2 degrees Celsius, maybe? Anyway, when I take it right out of the fridge and immediately do the injection, it causes what I'm going to say is a little bit of stinging, a little pinch feel, if you will. But if I let it come up to room temperature, let's say I let it sit out on the counter for two hours or so, I feel nothing at all when I then take the injection. So if you're using any type of injectable medication that's refrigerated and that medication and the directions allow for it to come up to room temperature, like Manjaro does, 
you might want to try that. For me, it was a more pleasant, more neutral experience because I did not experience any type of little sting. And even so, that only lasts for about 30 seconds. So it's not that bad. But anyway, just a little tip to share. For my challenge and win this week, I have had a week where I have been, for one reason or another, eating outside the house more than I normally do. Even when I go on vacation, unless it's a cruise ship, I do tend to cook in the villa at the resort rather than eat out in restaurants a lot, like when we go to Disney or things like that. Or if we go visit family, typically we will eat at home most of the time. But this week, I had a lunch meeting that I went to at a restaurant. My wife and I went to a restaurant. I went to another restaurant with my brother. And then we went over to family visiting for an evening. For each of those instances, I did not have my normal go-to meat and veg at hand. I had to either pick off a menu or rely on what someone else cooked. Now, when we went over for dinner at a family member's house, I was lucky. They grilled steaks on the grill. They had a beautiful salad to go with it. Also had a baked potato. And there I was concerned a little bit that my baked potato might cause me some issues. But strategically, or tactically, I don't know which one it is, but I guess tactically, I right away went for the smallest potato that I saw. So I had that, of course, butter and sour cream. Can't have that without butter and sour cream. And uh, it didn't really cause a problem. I checked my sugar, as I always do, using my continuous glucose monitor. And I got a small rise, but nothing out of the acceptable range. So that worked out well. And then at the restaurants, I made sure I made good choices. For example, when I went out to lunch for a business meeting, instead of having a chicken salad sandwich, I just had the chicken salad on a bed of lettuce, which was totally fine. Now they did serve it with chips, and I did have just a very few chips, not nearly the huge pile, which if you ever get those little single serve bags of potato chips, What they put on the plate, I think, would have been about five of those small bags. So maybe I had the equivalent of half of one of those small single-serve bags. Regardless, I saw no blip at all whatsoever from that chicken salad. Because what is it? It's meat, fat, and then sitting on a salad to get the veg. So I'm going to call that a win, eating out multiple times this week without any adverse effects. So good on me. Okay, let's take a look at the news. This first article, and this says, this is the number one way to lower blood sugar naturally, according to an endocrinologist. This doctor said for lowering your blood sugar naturally. They say that their research has shown that to their perspective anyway, Getting a good night's sleep is the most natural way to help lower your blood sugar. Now, they say it's paramount, but personally, I'm sure it does help because I also believe that getting a good night's sleep is very helpful for your recovery systems, things like that. Now, whether it's the number one way or not, I'll let you read their um, research here. They do link to their scientific studies. And they feel that it's because maybe stress, your hormones, your cortisol, things like that, 
those then mess up the insulin receptivity in your system that causes you to be insulin insensitive, which we know is a problem with type 2 diabetes. So they say there are other ways to help naturally, and that, of course, is watching what you eat. They say that staying away from highly processed foods, foods with a lot of added sugar or maybe even any added sugar, avoid those when you can, and, of course, exercise regularly and manage stress. But they are standing here on the fact that they say that sleep is one of the most important things you can make sure you get right if you're trying to lower your blood sugar naturally. This second article is entitled, Seven Self-Care Tips That Can Ease the Stress of Living with Type 2 Diabetes. Now, these are things to think about if you are, in fact, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. I know that a listener wrote in not too long ago mentioning the stress and the fact that it's quite, for that person, depressing to be dealing with type 2 diabetes. So maybe these are some tips that will help if you find yourself feeling those same things with your diagnosis. The number one thing they say here is get back in touch with your why. If you're feeling burnout on your day-to-day management of your blood sugar, remind yourself why it's important to take care of your diabetes. You know, diabetes is a chronic disease. You will and I will have this for the rest of our lives. The key is to make it a long and healthy life. So get back into touch with your why. Why are you doing this? Maybe you want to be active with your kids. Maybe you want to be fully engaged at work. Maybe you want to be able to still get outside and enjoy nature. Enjoy time, vacation time, whatever, relaxation time with your partner. Those are all reasons that you want to take care of your diagnosis. Incorporate enjoyable bite-sized movement breaks into your day. So getting in some regular exercise is an excellent form of self-care, they say here. And it doesn't have to be all at once. It can be what I like to call little movement snacks. Third way, lean on your favorite stress busters. Now, that could be breath work. They're mentioning here yoga, soothing, maybe cuddling up with your pet, maybe spending time outdoors, even if it's just sitting or strolling outdoors. Also, again here, now look at this article too. It says prioritize sleep. So here they also say that a lack of sleep can make your body more resistant to insulin, and that's usually because you have a higher level of cortisol, which is another hormone. Number five is ask for help. Ask for help not just from professionals who you're paying for the assistance, but also ask for help from your loved ones, people that care about you. And don't forget that they're a resource and they care about you, so they're likely to want to help you. And then finally here, they say, find your community. So find people that you have commonalities with. Those could be like free support groups. But then at the end, give yourself a break. Just realize that you don't need to have unrealistic expectations of yourself. You did not develop the, you know, symptoms and the issues with this diagnosis overnight, so you likely won't be able to solve it overnight. Now, remember that we cannot cure type 2 diabetes. We can put the symptoms in remission, so you can get to a point where you no longer have measurable high blood sugar, but that's usually a combination of lifestyle changes, exercise, 
and a lot of medications that are available that could help you as well. All right, let's look at this next one. This one is making me hungry already. It's called the seven best high-protein snacks for people with diabetes, according to a dietitian. So high-protein snacks here they're saying are the healthy way for someone with this diagnosis to eat because if it's a high-sugar snack, it's not doing you any good. So they're talking about here things to look for in a diabetes-friendly snack. They mentioned fiber, healthy fats, low sodium, and a little bit of carbohydrates fine, but they say absolutely make sure it has 15 grams or less of overall carbohydrates. Now that's not sugar, that's all carbohydrates combined. So what are they saying here? Cheese. They're saying cheese is undoubtedly a filling and delicious food. Hey, I happen to agree with that. And most cheese have almost no carbohydrates. The second one is mixed nuts. Now those do have some carbohydrates, but it's a lot of fiber and complex carbohydrates. So while it does have carbs that you will be able to process and absorb, the combination of the healthy fats, the protein, and those complex carbs are great in mixed nuts. Now it's not talking about peanuts. It's talking about actual tree nuts, cashews, walnuts, macadamia nuts, almonds, those type of nuts. And then veggies with nut butter. So maybe you can have celery sticks with some almond butter or baby carrots or sliced apple with, now if you want, put some peanut butter on there, but again, whole tree nut butter is a little bit better. Sunflower seeds, so nuts and seeds. Oh, this sounds like CrossFit. Eat meat and veg, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no added sugar. Anyway, I sidetracked. Sorry about that. They're talking about sunflower seeds here as a healthy snack. Now watch out. A whole big handful of sunflower seeds, or for that matter, a whole big handful of mixed nuts, has quite a few calories in it. And we do have to look at our overall intake. But some sunflower seeds, some mixed nuts once in a while is great. Also, edamame. Now what is edamame? Edamame are soybeans. Now, they're baby soybeans, usually in the pod, but they are a good source of protein, good healthy fat. They do have some carbohydrates. In fact, um, you know, of the in a single serving of edamame, while it does have 14 grams of carbs, eight of that comes in the form of fiber. So, not bad at all. The next one they mention here is hard-boiled eggs. You know, it's protein, fat, no carbs. And then finally, Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt is a little bit different from traditional, like, Yoplait yogurt, if you will. Traditional yogurt has quite a bit of sugar, often added sugar. Greek yogurt not only usually has less sugar, but it usually has a lot more protein. So, anyway, interesting article. You can check that one out for tips. Finally, this last article, it says... Cardiologists share the surprising link between blood sugar and heart disease. Now, you were maybe thinking, wait a second, we know that blood sugar can lead to obesity, high levels of blood sugar can lead to obesity, it can, therefore obesity is a maybe a 
a negative factor for getting heart disease, but they're saying here that it's something that they weren't quite expecting. They're saying here that having high blood sugar, while it makes your body resistant to insulin, it also raises LDL cholesterol. Now, some people, I'm not going to get into the whole cholesterol argument here. Some people say there's nothing wrong with cholesterol. Look at it. Your body produces cholesterol. Other people say cholesterol, especially LDL cholesterol, is a major negative thing. That's an argument for another day. What they're saying in this article, though, is that LDL can cause plaque to build up inside arteries, and then the plaque can reduce the blood flow, and then if that plaque breaks open, that can lead to a heart attack because that's what can clog an artery in your heart, cutting off the blood and oxygen supply to the heart itself, and that's what a heart attack is. So again, there's tracing this back because people they're saying here that have diabetes, type 1 or type 2, can lead to this increase in LDL cholesterol, which then can cause heart disease. Again, according to this article. So check it out. Read it yourself. Look at the studies that they do link to. I always like to have articles for you where they actually link to the scientific studies. Because, you know, if you're just reading something in a magazine, whether it's online or in print, without having the real research behind it, it's hard to make your own determination. So those are the news articles. Check them out. The links are right in the show notes, as always. In your podcast player, you should see the links for these news articles there for each episode. And of course, I always have them over on the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com. All right, let's look at the main topic for today. Now, I have mentioned that I do use this new version of the Freestyle Libre continuous glucose monitor, this Freestyle Libre 3. It's the third generation. Makes sense. That's why they have the number 3 there. But I wanted to talk about it in depth. I have been using it now for, I'm going to say, almost a couple of months. I don't remember exactly, but it's about a couple of months. I have gotten used to its little quirks, if you will, the differences between it and the previous version I used, which was the original Libre 14-day freestyle sensor. I wanted to share some of that information with you. Now, you can find details, really in-depth details, on this continuous glucose monitor right at the Freestyle Libre 3 website. Just Google Freestyle Libre 3 and you can find a whole lot more information that we have time to cover here if you're very interested in it. Also, because these are only available from a doctor with a prescription, whether it's a telemedicine outfit or it is your own primary care physician, that's the only way you can get them. You just can't go into the pharmacy and buy them. So talk about it with your doctor if you really have more in-depth questions. So why do I use a CGM? CGMs were originally just for folks with type 1 diabetes because they needed to very much be concerned with lows. They needed a way, an electronic sensor, to monitor their blood sugar mostly so they don't go too low. Because if you're taking insulin, and some people with type 2 diabetes also take insulin, but if you have type 1, you almost absolutely do. 
And if you take insulin and then don't consume enough carbohydrates to balance that out, that could send your blood sugar to a dangerously low level. There are also some other type 2 diabetes medications that can send your blood sugar low to a dangerous level. So the nice thing about this CGM is it will alert you if that happens. It also will alert you if it goes too high. They have various alarms and whatnot that can be set up. But I use it just to see how my eating is affecting me, how my movement is affecting me, maybe how a particular food. Like this week, I was worried about the baked potato and how would that impact my eating or the corn and beans in that tortilla soup, which was really good. I just had the last of it today, as a matter of fact. And I was able to tell that it was a fine food to eat. Therefore, I went back and had more the day after. If my CGM had shown a tremendous spike from something that I had eaten, and if I couldn't alter the recipe, then I would just skip it. So it does give me some good, valuable information. Let me talk first about the sensor itself. It's a small white disc. And again, I'm going to be talking about the Freestyle Libre 3. Other manufacturers and other models, even with this manufacturer, vary. So I'm just talking about the Freestyle Libre 3. It's about the size of two stacked pennies. So if you take two pennies and stack one on top of each other, that's about the size. It's really no thicker than that. The diameter might be a hair larger, maybe, but it's very close to the size of two stacked pennies. For the application to put it on, now I wipe the area with an alcohol prep because it will be on there for two weeks. So I figure I might as well clean my skin really well. Let that dry. And then when you open the package, the applicator, the self-injecting applicator, comes in one unit. Now, previously when I was using the original monitor, the 14-day Freestyle Libre, that had to be assembled two small parts but it did have to be assembled the I'm gonna call it the sensor had to be attached to the injector but now with this Libre 3 it comes in one unit you simply take it out of the box and unscrew the cap place it against your skin and push lightly and it does the application in one movement and then it's adhesive around the outside of the disc so that sticks to your skin. Now I have not yet had any problem with this staying on for the full two weeks. It's so small and I put it in the back of the arm and I have not had any problems with bumping it or it becoming dislodged. Whereas with the old sensor I did have and I wore that one for about 20 months. So I put on about 40 to 44 sensors over the course of the 20 months. And for that one, I did have two or three occasions where it was large enough to where I would bump it on a doorway or some other way. One time getting out of my car, one time just walking into the bathroom, I hit the doorway in the middle of the night and was enough to bump it off because it was big enough to be a little bit of a lever. But with this small one, this new one, that hasn't happened yet. Now I've only used about I'm going to guess about five in the last two, two and a half months. So it might happen that one gets knocked off, but so far it has not happened yet. And as far as the care goes, 
Like I said, it is so small and unobtrusive that I didn't have to wear anything over it. They do sell larger adhesive bandages that basically cover the entire sensor. And then there's a wider area of adhesive around it. I did use that a few times uh, with the old style, but honestly, I stopped using that exterior bandage because the adhesive on that was so strong, I actually had difficulty getting it off. And with that old sensor, with that external bandage, one time I went to take it off and I actually pulled just a small amount of skin off with it. So that was the last time I used one of those. And I haven't had to use one or even think about it. One, in fact, I haven't even bought any for this new smaller sensor. So I like that. But after two weeks, when it does come time to remove it, it comes off relatively easily. I haven't had any issues, no pain. Just get a thumbnail under the edge and pop it off. The part that goes in your skin is, I'm going to say, less than a half an inch long, and it's a small plastic hollow filament. Very flexible, very easy. There'd be no way of getting it in your skin without a needle in the application device. But once it goes in your skin, the needle immediately retracts, and I honestly feel nothing. When it's on, if my app didn't tell me the two weeks was up, I would forget that it was on there because it doesn't get in my way in any daily activity, and it, I feel nothing from it, no pain, no issues. So it's almost invisible to me when it's on. And then disposal, they do tell you to throw it in a sharps container because it does maybe have a little bit of blood on it. But what I do is I put it back inside the application device of the new sensor, screw the top back on, and no one's going to accidentally come in contact with it. I just throw it in the trash. Um, now, don't at me. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. But there's nothing dangerous about it. And uh, no one's going to come in contact with it unless they really try. Now, this sensor does require a smartphone. There is no external reader for using this sensor. So if you don't have a smartphone, you really can't use the Libre 3. Now you could buy a used smartphone that's two or three years old and use it just for this purpose, but it doesn't have a standalone reader like the older Libre 2 or the original did. With both of those models, you could use an external sole purpose device. But with this new one, you have to use a smartphone. Now, what's interesting is that they say this CGM only works with certain smartphones running certain operating systems. And they advise you to go to their website. And they also advise you, even if it currently claims to work with your operating system, don't upgrade your operating system without checking their website first. Now, evidently they are very slow to update their app on your smartphone. For example, I'm currently running iOS on my iPhone, iOS 16.4.1, and their website claims to not work with that operating system. I gotta tell you, it works perfectly fine for me. I can't tell you to use it, but it works perfectly fine for me with that operating system. I'm the kind of person who updates their operating system as soon as a new update comes out. 
Sometimes I'll wait a day or two, especially if it's a major update to let things settle out. But if it's just a little dot release, I'll usually update it as soon as I find out it's available because it's usually for a little security concern and I don't want to have that concern. Now what I have found, and before I went to this monitor, honestly I checked it out on Reddit and other online forums, and a lot of people were complaining that you could not turn the alarms off with this sensor. Now it was made primarily for folks with type 1 diabetes and they do have a major concern of a low, a critically low blood sugar level. So what I found is that I'm using an operating system version that's technically not covered. I also am not bothered by those low alarms. Now once in a while my blood sugar will read just a hair below 55 and that's where they have their low warning alert set. Supposedly you cannot turn off that alarm but for me simply by putting my smartphone into sleep focus which is basically a, a good do not disturb that alarm does not sound. I think that's why they warn you against upgrading because Apple makes that sleep mode to where you can turn everything off and nothing will disturb you. And that's how I have it set. And sure enough, once in a while, especially if I'm laying on the sensor, because sometimes it can give you a false low reading if you're putting pressure on the sensor for a long period of time. I have read a blood sugar level of 54, 53, but it's only, you know, until I turn over. And the alarm registered on the phone as far as a text notification, but I didn't get an audio alarm or a vibration or anything like that. Whereas before I upgraded, I was getting that. So I think they warn you against upgrading your phone's operating system until they've updated their app to ensure that their alarms still ring through. Now, your mileage may vary. You might not even be using an iPhone. You could be using, I don't know, what other type of phone you might have. But this is what I've experienced in that when I keep myself on the latest upgrade, even though they say don't do that, I avoid the annoyance of those alarms. Now, if I was someone who depended on that low blood sugar alarm, I would absolutely, without hesitation, want to follow their instructions and not upgrade until they're ready to handle that upgrade. But for me, it's not that critical. I don't ever have very low blood sugar readings that are real. And even when I have them, if they're false, they only usually last a couple of minutes before they pop back up. So let me quickly give you a tour of the app and things that I found here on the app. Now obviously I report my average blood sugar readings for the past week at the beginning of each podcast and I also report my GMI. Now both of those things are available in the app. The app also gives you daily patterns. Now I can look and I'm looking at this screen right now and it shows me the average for midnight through midnight, so over the 24 hours, as a line. And I can see, I'm looking here now, and that my blood sugar tends to be the highest at about 11 a.m. 
and also 7 p.m. Now, it doesn't vary much. I have a very tight control on my blood sugar. In fact, for the past two weeks, I have not gotten below 70 or gone above 150 at any time in the last two weeks. And But what it does show is where a 95% range is. It shows you a 75% range to show you basically where you're staying. And this is a very interesting graph. It's called daily patterns. It also shows time and ranges. So if you have set where you have your uh, ideal optimal range, for example, mine is set between 70 and 160, and it shows you how much time you spent in that range. So I'm just going to look here. And I have spent, yeah, again, going back two weeks, I have spent 100% of the time between 70 and 160. And if I go back a whole 30 days, I have spent only 1% of the time above that range. Again, interesting things. It does give you a lot of interesting tidbits of information here. It shows me throughout the day my average glucose. So if I look at the last seven days, during the night, my average glucose has been about 97. And during the day, mid-afternoon, it's been about 107. Late morning, it's been about an average of 117. So you can tell when I eat. So good information. The app I'm learning to live with, it is not the app that I was used to when I was using the original. I had a third-party app. And, but this one is made by the manufacturer, and it is satisfactory. It is sufficient. So that's my Freestyle Libre 3, the CGM that I use. And if you have questions, feel free to send them in. Now, speaking of questions, this is the time where I answer your questions. For example, if you had a question about the Libre 3, if you had a question about some of the news articles, some of the things that I'm doing to solve my type 2 diabetes, this is where I would answer them. Now, this week and last week, too, I think, we haven't had any questions. If you want to ask me a question, there's two ways to do it. Number one, straightforward, send me an email. My email address is tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com. Or, if you just want to fill out a form, you go to the website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, and click on Feedback. Fill out your form, send in your comments, say hi, ask your questions. I'd be happy to get back to you right away. Second thing I want to remind you is to please share this episode. Hopefully, if you've listened through this whole thing, now we're at about 40 minutes. If you've been here this long, I think you maybe are finding some value, which makes me feel good. I'm glad because that's one of the reasons that I want to do this is to give you some value. Maybe you know someone who you think could also get some value. If so, please share it with them. Okay, so what is next? I talk a lot about my plan, how I solve my type 2 diabetes. I want to talk about some ideas on maybe how you can make your own personal plan for how you might solve your type 2 diabetes. So that's for next week. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at solvingtype2diabetes.com. 
There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.